3: Good morning. Man, I love you, Wayne, even though you're a Packers fan and you're in for a long day on Sunday at Dallas. It is time to skip the BS, something Aaron Rodgers seldom does. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But it is right now time for Undisputed, time for me to welcome in two guys who played with their emotions on their sleeves and on their knees and on their feet and on every single part of their bodies and their souls. Richard Sherman and Michael Irvin. Morning, gentlemen. How are we today?
0: Good morning, Skip. What Good morning,
4: Richard.
3: Yeah. It's, hey, it's
4: playoff week now, so everything is great. And you're right, Skip. It's
3: time, really, to skip the BS. It's time it's to time. skip the BS. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just hoping both of you take it easy on me today, and I do promise to behave today. So, okay, after Sunday's win at Washington, Jerry Jones said he'd be evaluating Mike McCarthy one game at a time in the playoffs. I love that. Yet yesterday on his Dallas radio gig, Jerry clarified that comment by emphasizing he quote unquote couldn't be more pleased with the job McCarthy has done in his, of course, fourth season with the Cowboys. Of the reaction to Sunday night's comment, Jerry said, well, I was a little surprised. I don't know how I could be any clearer. Coach McCarthy's under contract for next year. And so that's not an issue. I certainly haven't sat down right here in the middle of the playoffs and started talking to him about something like a contract, something like that. Why would you do that? So Jerry is saying there obviously hasn't been any talk of a contract extension. Lord, I hope not, certainly not yet. But the questions still remain, if the Cowboys do lose Sunday at home to Green Bay, would Jerry still say afterward that he couldn't be more pleased with McCarthy? Would he still be, uh, obviously, that that McCarthy would return for for the next year of his deal? Or would, would Jerry, would he fire McCarthy if they lose Sunday? Would he fire McCarthy if the Cowboys beat Green Bay and then laid an egg in a second home playoff game? and fall one game short of their NFC first NFC championship game in 28 years. These are all very good, very powerful questions, very now questions. Michael, please, you start us. What do you think of all of the above? There is
4: a lot going on in the National Football League right now. And and what Jerry said when he said, "Hey, this is a the game-to-game, the you have to look at not just what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys, but what's going on around the whole National Football League. We are talking, and we will talk later on, about a, a about a Mike Tumlin that's walking away. We're talking about a Mike Vrabel, your, a Bill Belichick. These are some of the great coaches that have coached in our league and in our game. Yep. The reality is this game has always been and always will be not just about winning, but about winning championships. That's what you get hired for and all 32 teams. And yes, this is a stressful job. I tell people all the time, if you ask me the most stressful jobs in the world, I'll give you, at least certainly in our country, I'll give you POTUS as the top. But from 2 to 33 will be NFL head coaches. Agreed. That is yeah. the reality of it all. It's NFL head coaches. This is what it is. You perform under pressure, you carry the hopes of a whole city and a lot of people. So, all of those hopes and all those eyes, they are watching you. And tw- winning 12 games a season, that's great, but that's not winning championships. And in the National Football League, that's why you get hired. So saying it's game-to-game, game, that wasn't a Ferrarian slip. That was reality, and that's what it needs to be right now. Thank you. Yes. It is disastrous if you lose to Green Bay. It is absolutely disastrous if you lose to Green Bay. And if things work out great, Skip, Sherm, and, and, and say you get a Tampa Bay, even if you beat Green Bay and you get a Tampa good, Bay Good point. and you lose yeah. – and you lose to Tampa Bay, and, 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 and the Rams go and beat the 49ers, and you could have had a championship game in Dallas. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know I'm sorry. It, 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 it's it's not high. It's really bad. It's bad. <laughs> that's, that's the league that we are in. I don't want to hear this. I don't care to hear it. I don't want to hear from people like Sherm and, and, and Keyshawn because all you guys want is more fodder. Oh, you still had not done it in 31 years. You're going to put the one on there. I don't want to hear. Pressure is good. Pressure makes the good fold, makes the great focus. Show me your part of the great focus, and let's go get it done. And I don't want to hear. You created this pressure. If you're the one in one of those other preseason situations, it wouldn't be this kind of pressure. In yeah. one of those playoff situations yeah. against the 49ers, we wouldn't have this pressure. You created it. Get yourself out of it.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, uh, I hear you, Irv, but I, I don't know. I, 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 Jerry, this was unnecessary. This all was unnecessary. We talk about distractions with Aaron. This is an unnecessary distraction for this team. It's an unnecessary distraction for this coach. And you're gonna put him in a situation where in a game where they're potentially trailing in a playoff game, things are gonna cross his mind that maybe wouldn't have crossed his mind had you not said this. And he may make some desperation play calls. Hey, we need to we need a big play here. Hey, we need to force it here. Hey, we need to go for it on fourth here, because if I don't, I'm getting fired after this game. So, sure, the pressure's great. Sure, pressure is good for any anybody. It helps, you know, pressure makes diamonds, everybody knows this, but for the owner of the team to go out of his way to say, "Hey, we're going to take this evaluation game by game," is ridiculous. And then for him to turn around the next day and walk it back or attempt to walk it back is even more ridiculous. We didn't say you were having. We didn't say you were having contract talks with him. We no. We didn't ask you anything. You you decided out of nowhere to speak on this. And then try to try to say, well, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. Just stand on it. It's more ridiculous trying to walk it back. Just stand ten toes on what you said because that's what you meant. Like you said, Herb, this wasn't a Freudian slip. This wasn't an accidental speak. This this was exactly what you meant, and it's the truth. If he doesn't beat Green Bay, if he doesn't take you to a, 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 a NFC Championship game, he's going home. And I think I think he understands that. I think the whole team understands that. But I don't think it was necessary for you to say, and it's definitely not necessary. For for you to walk back. We know you're not having contract talks with him, but if you fire this head coach, he will be the only, the lone head coach that got fired after taking his team to the playoffs. And he has your quarterback playing his best football of his career. And he has your team in a good position with the number two seed. There can only be one seed better. And they're tied with San Francisco for the best record in the NFC. So you can't even really make those arguments that he's not doing everything in his power. Sure, your team has lost big games. Your team has lost some games against some great opponents. I will give you that. I'm the one who stands on the table and says that, Skip. But come on,
3: Jerry. That's enough. Mm. Michael, you want to respond?
4: Well, I, I, I do, Skip, but I was giving you a chance right. to, to get in here. Okay. You know, but there's so much in there that he left open that, right. that I do want to respond to, but I want to give you a chance to get <laughs> okay, in.
3: Okay, thank you. <laughs> Look, Richard. We went back and forth about this yesterday. I'm even coming at it from a different point of view than Michael is as an ex-star player for this franchise. I'm lifelong diehard. Started when I was 10 years of age. I I know what it felt like to, to have my team play in seven Super Bowls. I know what it felt like to win five Super Bowls. I covered the locker rooms of Coach Tom Landry, and I had the Honor of covering the locker rooms of Michael and Troy and Emmett and Jimmy Johnson. And I know what that felt like. And those locker rooms, to me, had urgency to them because there was a healthy fear in those locker rooms, a fear of Coach Landry and definitely a fear of Coach Jimmy, because he rarely walked in the locker room. But when he did, everybody stopped what they were doing and mouths closed and eyes widened because... Everybody was afraid somebody might get sent packing on any given moment. Jimmy might just cut somebody just to send a message to the locker room. This is not acceptable with this team now for 28 years. No NFC championship games. There's been a lack of urgency. There's been a lack of accountability. There's been a lack of good fear, healthy fear in the locker rooms. And it starts with Jerry. Jerry who's not a dynamic leader in and of himself. This was the first time in Jerry's ownership without a Jimmy or without a Barry Switzer, when I thought he stepped up and did put 10 toes down and took a stand that needed to be taken to send a message not only to the head coach, but to the locker room of this will not be acceptable. I'm going game by game because we are now in a position to win two games to get to the NFC championship game, as you say, Richard. And yet, Richard, yesterday you make the case that today's players, today's NFL doesn't work like this, that players don't respond, coaches don't respond to this kind of pressure being exerted from the ownership down. And you, maybe you're right, I, I, but but I know what I used to see in Dallas, what, what I've known worked in Dallas, and I believe it worked in Seattle with your team because you had dynamic leaders in the locker room. I, I, again, I don't know. I don't know if Pete Carroll factors into that exactly, but I, I know the legion of boom. You want to talk about strong personalities. I'm not sure we have strong enough personalities in the locker room, including the head coach and including the quarterback. So we need an urgent message sent that it is now time. Nothing is acceptable except winning at home where you've won 16 in a row beating the Green Bay Packers and then maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and getting back to an NFC championship game. That's all I'm saying. Michael, please, you respond now.
4: Right, and, and, and I do want to explain this. First of all, when, when Sherm jumped in and, and I talked about all the things that are going on outside of the Dallas Cowboys with those guys that are being let go, there's also a guy inside of the Dallas Cowboys that they need to make a decision on or that will be making decision, and that's Dan Quinn. You know, so if you want to say, hey, can you get me over the hump? If you can't get us over this hump, do we go in another direction? Dan Quinn is looking and waiting right now to see what's going to happen. Also, with with, with his team and, and with that head coaching job. His name's been thrown in and, and, and linked with Carolina yeah. and, and other places. Mm-hmm. So I, I, he's going to sit back and say, let me wait to see what happens here. And Jerry needs to make sure that, that – that, Dan Quinn, if he got the head coach in the building, that he doesn't let him go out the building. That's why it's on the hot seat for Mike McCarthy. But also, also guys, also this comes down to they just we, we talked about it. Ken, nobody has ever done this before. Nobody has ever won a Super Bowl with one team, then come over and coach and win a Super Bowl with another. <laughs> This is an opportunity. Mike McCarthy, this is an opportunity to put your name up with the greats right here. You know what I'm saying? And, and I called it out. I started by calling out the top of the football team. I have no problem with Jerry Jones calling out the top of the coaching staff. That's the, hum, that's the harmonious, the, hum, the harmony you need in that locker room right now, Skip. Sherm, everybody understands the pressure of this game and bring it to bear well,
0: in that game. I'm going to go take it step by step and I'm going to start with Skip and his his locker room yeah. leader situation Skip. These are the guys you're going to have. So I know what you're talking about Tom Landry and everybody had fear. There's no fear in that locker room and there's not going to be. And there's not going to be anytime soon. CD Lamb is going to get 30 million soon. Micah Parsons is going to get 30 35 million soon. Okay. Dak Prescott's going to get another contract soon. You're going to have to pay Tyler Smith plus, probably close to $20 million a year. Okay. So things are going to start to happen in that locker room that, that, that affect everything. But it's not going to be fear. It's not going to be fear. So it doesn't matter if Mike McCarthy's the head coach, Dan Quinn's the head coach, Ben Johnson's the head coach, Bill Belichick's the head coach. There's not going to be fear. Fear is not the way you motivate these days. I'm sorry. It's, it's not. It's, it, fear is not the great motivator. And it hasn't been the great motivator in a long time. That's why you haven't seen a lot of these coaches have the kind of success that coach in that fashion uh, in a really long time. That's why you see more coaches get younger and younger and and more hip. You see guys like Mike McDaniel getting jobs and having having some success. You see Andy Reid kind of changing his style of coaching because that's the way you get the most out of guys, not putting the fear of death in them that, hey— you, if you don't do it my way, it's the highway. Skip, you got to remember, the last time the, the Dallas Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, these Tom Landry years, the internet didn't even exist. Skip, so you talk
4: about things changing. A yeah. lot has changed since then. The entire world is connected. But, but he also talked about leadership in the locker room and the fear that can't come from the head coach has to come from the guys that are leading yeah. in the locker room, the guys that are saying, hey, man, we worked too damn hard to build this to where it is, to let people like anybody that's, that's not coming in and working out and working at the level that we are working, you got to pat your damn toes and get out of here. And I don't care. I'm talking about the guys in the locker room. You have to be the ones that say, hey, man, we, we can be boys. We can be friends, but you can't help me win. You got to go, and you can't play here. That's the kind of fear you got to have if you're going to do something great. We watch the last dance. We talk about how Michael Jordan get on people. Okay, you can't get on people like that if you're the head coach. Uh, uh, but 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 I can I can make you I can make you understand. Like hey, dude. We do it one way around here. And if you're not doing it this way, you're not going to be accepted around here. You can get that leadership in the locker room. There's a sense of urgency, they can pull out in that locker room. That I need Dak to pull out. I need C.D. Lamb to pull out. I need Michael Parsons to pull out. I need Tyron Smith. I need all of them like minor men, like look, little, little managers of their department. You get the offensive line going, Michael Parsons, you get those linebackers going. CeeDee Lamb, you get those wide receivers going. You can put this kind of pressure. It just has to come from those players.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead,
0: But those aren't the kind of guys you got, Skip. Those aren't the kind of guys you got. That's the difference. You talked about our teams in Seattle. Those are naturally the kind of guys we had. Marshawn is a a very natural leader. He's a very charismatic guy. He's a guy that that guys respect and guys will follow. Doug Baldwin the same way. Jermaine Kerr's. Cam Chancellor, of course, oh. KJ. Wright, Bobby Wagner. I mean, you can go down the and list. Richard uh, Sherman. Mike
3: Bennett, How about Richard Sherman? Does and, he yeah, right, right. right. Richard Sherman
0: yeah. works too. But it's yeah. just that, that you can't artificially mm-hmm. you can't artificially no. create that. It's yeah. either they have it or they don't. You have great players. Great players don't necessarily make great leaders. You have great players in Micah Parsons. You have Dak playing great football. But Dak may lead a different way than other he people. Does. He may not lead. It just may be by example. So, so C.D. Lamb, the same way. So if you don't have those vocal leaders, then maybe it does need to come from your coaching staff. And maybe it comes
3: from Dan Quinn. But at the end of the day, you can't force that. Yeah. Hey, Michael, do you think Jimmy Johnson would work in today's NFL? Dude, I think J- J- Jimmy's a
4: psychologist. He understands, and, and, and that's what separates, I think, Coach, from a lot of these coaches. You see Coach now doing uh, uh, the pregame shows and everything. I don't know if Bill Belichick can transition to that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Jimmy knows how people he, – he, he, he focused and he studied how people think, you know, so I believe Jimmy can transition in today's game and still in his own way put pressure – because that's just the reality. you got to put pressure. What is, what, what's going to happen in the last two minutes of a game? You're going to feel pressured. So all of this situation, let's make sure they don't feel pressure. Let's make sure they just have it like they that, – that's not going to happen in a game like that. So we need to create it here off the football field so you get used to it. So when it happens on the football field, you're used to it. It's your expectations. That's what create pressure. The expectations that are there. Teams, before you put a championship on the table, you have to put one on the table. That's the pressure of the National Football League.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, Richard, back to you. 12-5, and as as Michael pointed out, it, it means nothing to me. Leading the league in offense in points scored means zero to me at this point because it just doesn't matter anymore. Now matters. It starts right now. And I look back at 12 and 5 and how many mornings did Michael and I have to come in here and take the abuse from you and Keyshawn over what happened at Arizona, the egg we laid. What happened at San Francisco, 42 to 10, that thing that happened. What, what happened at Buffalo, what happened at Miami, what happened at home against Detroit when we we lost the game. We effectively lost it, and the referee took us off the hook. So we should have lost three straight games. We did not play well enough to beat Detroit at home, in my opinion. I think Michael concurred. And yet, we because Philly fell on its face masks – All of a sudden, we stumbled backward into winning the East, and all of a sudden, we sort of stumbled backward into, oh, wait, we're the two seed, and all we had to do was go take care of business in Washington, and Michael and I both thought they played great at Washington, albeit against a, a pathetic team that was just fighting for its Last life with with obviously Ron Rivera as an arch rival yeah. of the Dallas Cowboys. But
4: they felt yeah. the pressure,
3: but they, they felt did. the
4: pressure I, I, of this road, of yeah. these
3: potholes in the
4: road that yeah. they needed to get filled. And they and they played better. They played much better. Okay. I, I got a question for you guys. I got
0: a question for you guys, because I don't think
4: you you you
0: I think you see one side of the coin, hey, they don't make the right decisions, then fire fire McCarthy and everything is better. How often have you seen a coach get replaced and a team improve? How often have you seen a coach get fired and the next coach come in and improve that team and take them further the next year?
3: The Rarely. The
0: very next year? The, uh, very next year. The, the very next Because you think your expectations are going to change next year? Or are you going to lower your expectations
4: well, for another, another coach did it, right? for a then couple years? Didn't the Dolphins years. do it when they got Mike? McDaniel. Didn't the Dolphins do it when they found that coach? Did they get better?
0: Right I mean, they, they, uh, uh, Flores had a winning, winning record. They won seven in a row. His last seven they did. And then but, but, they but. were fine, but they, they, I'm just saying it's rare that a situation, you have the number one offense. It doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get better than that. Your right. defense is top five. It, get, it really gets better than that. So you're saying, Hey, let's, let's replace this, this coach. Cause if you don't give Dan Quinn a job, he's gone. He's going somewhere else, whether yeah. he's going to be a coordinator or he's going to be a head coach. I don't think he returns to Dallas if he doesn't have the head job because why would he? Why would he Why would he deal with the turnover? So you're potentially losing most of your staff. I would guess Al Harris gets a head coaching shot or interview at least. He'll definitely get a defensive coordinator job if he doesn't get a head coach look. Um, so you'll start to lose key pieces, and you'll say, hey, well, let's replace everybody. So now your team will be worse. So now you're saying, hey, we didn't win the Super Bowl, so let's get rid of everybody. Now it's going to get worse. That's how you okay. end up in the cycle so, that you guys are in. All right, I'll answer with this. Go ahead,
3: Michael. Right, right.
4: No, no, Sherm. And, and Sherm, let's get back to this because the reality is the Dolphins did get better with Coach McDaniels coming in. Now, even with Coach McDaniels coming in. Even when you start talking wins, it wasn't just about wins. It was also about developing a young quarterback. Remember, they were rotating in quarterbacks and all of that that they went through. Now he has made this. Not only he has developed that quarterback, he has developed a system that's going to work in Miami for quite a while now and has given to her that career. So, yes, he has made it better. I understand the premise of what you're talking about, but the reality is this. Yes, the number one offense. It was the number one offense under Kellen Moore. so so are we, now are we going to get all of this to Mike McCarthy? You see what I mean We we, we working the number one offense even before Mike McCarthy took over the offense. He took over a number one offense and kept it a number one offense. So tell me what was what, what's, what's great in what he did that's, that's, right
0: there. That's easier said than done. Dak Prescott has had his best year of his career. C.D. Lamb has exploded yes. on the scene, number one in a number of categories, and the way they've used him is very unique. But I, I'm just saying, I hear what you're saying, but I, you don't want to be sitting here next year with a fired coach and y'all at a 500 record or something because what I tell I y'all, want to I told be you sitting so.
4: sitting next year listening to you all jibber jabber bimba babble about how many times, <laughs> long we have been through this. That's what I don't want to be sitting here next year. I, mm-hmm. hey, listen, that's
3: the reality of it. That's what I, I'm, I'm sick of sitting here listening to this every year. Yeah, Richard. Let's just do the hypothetical. What if Mike McCarthy gets fired and somehow Jerry hires Mike Vrabel? Do you think the Cowboys would be a little better next year? Because oh. I do. I think he's a little well, better football coach be worse. than Mike McCarthy. They'd be
0: worse because who is he going to hire as his offensive coordinator? Their offense in Tennessee was pedestrian. Yeah, we could.
3: Do, we have enough pieces on offense. It would not matter. Right.
4: You, yeah. You, yeah, you keep the staff together. You when know, offense staff, some of that together. You without Mike, you know, you could That's not really how
3: it
0: works. If people come in, they hire their buddies. That's Vrabel is going to bring in his guys, and that'd be the problem.
4: Yeah. All right. So speaking yeah. of Mike we, Vrabel, we gave Mike Kellen yeah. more. We gave yeah. Mike Kellen more.
3: We, right. we can, you know. I'm, right. just I'm just can saying. Can you believe that Tennessee <laughs> fired Mike Vrabel? I can't. We debate next. Me neither. Surprise, surprise. Mike Vrabel fired in Tennessee. As one league source told Charles Robinson of Yahoo.com, and I quote, unbelievable guy is a phenomenal coach. Hard to believe he's free. He'll have a job in five seconds. So, Michael Irvin, please, you first. How surprised were you by this fire? I, I, I was very surprised. It's
4: so, it's so amazing. We were just talking about, you know, Mike McCarthy and where he has to go. You do know this guy in 2019 had the Tennessee Titans in a conference championship game. That was not too long ago. You know, I think in 2021, he won coach of the, coach year. Of the year. That was not, not too long ago. You know, and, and, and you know you guys knew what Tennessee was prior to him getting there. He brought such great discipline. Every time they showed up on the field, I know they've had back to back losing seasons, things didn't work out there. But but those back-to-back seasons coincide with you taking away his main man and sending him to Philadelphia. Also, that I know he did not want to happen, and Arthur Warren Brown, you know. So so now mm-hmm. you start saying, right? You you you're taking those assets away, and and, and you're leaving them with. He had a great running back in Derrick Henry, but an okay wire, okay quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and then you got A.J. Brown, who went up and made plays with Ryan Tanner. He didn't have to be perfect when you, when you give him away. Now you don't have that. Trayvon Burks didn't work out quite like they wanted him to do in replacing Arthur Warren Brown, and things went south. Go and find him. Uh, another big-time receiver, Uh, uh, let him help you find him another big-time receiver. But there's no way I'm letting Mike Vrabel get away. There's not one time that you saw saw them on a football field where they were unprepared or not ready to play. And, Skip, that's what you start talking about when you start talking about a disciplined coach. Now, I can only cook with with, with the recipe and the ingredients you give me since we're working together. But anytime you give him anything, he's cooked a pretty good meal. I I, I was shocked they let Mike Vrabel go. Mm. And I was
0: more shocked at the comments from the owner after. Yeah. And that was what was most concerning to me because she said, I wasn't willing to wait in the back of the line for the right head coach. I wasn't willing. That's why they weren't willing to trade Mike Vrabel. But they weren't going forward with him at all. And that was really odd to me because it's one of those situations where you feel like the grass is greener on the other side, and I guarantee you it's likely not. If you take away a team's best player, like you did with A.J. Brown, they're going to be a worse team. And you didn't let the head coach have any say-so in that, and it's because you didn't want to pay him max money. He was a max receiver. That's all you – you got to pay for what you get. That changed the dynamic of the entire team. That changed the structure of the entire offense. Traylon Burks wasn't who you thought he was. So now you're punishing the head coach. You bring in a new general manager and uh, Rand Carthen, mm-hmm. who who came from San Francisco, who's been who's been really good and is going to be really good. But it seemed like he and Braves didn't see eye to eye on things, which is a weird dynamic between a GM and and head coach when you know they're not married step and step, and one's hired after the other or or vice versa. But I just, I I think this
3: is the wrong call. Man, I I can't tell you how much I agree. I can't tell you how shocked I was about this. And to Richard's point, I will amplify because Amy Adams Strunk also said in the statement that she released, and I quote, as the NFL continues to innovate and evolve, I believe the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower an aligned and collaborative team across all football functions. Collaborative team. She wanted Vrabel to be a team player, as in just one of the the hierarchy and the decision makers on equal footing with her, and obviously, as Richard pointed out, Rand Carthon, and and all the other people in the front office, and Brabel, obviously, old school, chip off the Belichick block, didn't coach for him, but a played for him, obviously, it, it, he's his own guy, and you want to talk about 10 toes down, his, his 10 toes are always down, and right. I, I don't know how much he actually clashed with Rand, but... It sounded like there was some sort of power struggle internally and that Amy Adams Strunk chose Rand Carthen over Mike Vrabel. That's what it sounds like to me. She she said he doesn't want to be a team player. I'm going with Rand and the group that I have in place and we'll fix this on the fly post Mike Vrabel, which was I, I, I think it's absolutely the wrong decision. Absolutely. I agree. Here
4: here again, we're talking about suits and uniforms. I don't know why they feel like they have to make a decision on what goes down on a football field. I mean, you don't even spend much time coming in the locker room. When you have a team that was set up, think about this, guys, with Derrick Henry, that beast at running back. And every time you try to come and stack the line of scrimmage to stop that, you had A.J. Brown, a beast at wide receiver, a go up and get anything anywhere to make all the mistakes do not look like mistakes that ryan Tannehill will make And you don't get to understand that no matter what, I'm never separating these two. These two will play together. With those two, I can put just about anybody back at quarterback. All you got to do is be able to just don't throw interceptions, but these two gives you an opportunity. And somehow some people wearing suits decided to break that up. That You 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 disqualified yourself from making any more decisions when you decided to break up that right there, to just get out of the way. Stop talking about a unified standing on making decisions. You disqualified yourself.
0: Yeah. Right, okay. and, that, and that's why they fired the GM, Irv. Uh, that's why they fired the GM, but that's not Brave's fault. He has to sit there and try to try to make something happen with the ingredients that he has left, and you're not giving him great ingredients. Traylon Burks, you spent the first rounder on him, wasn't what you – he deserves more years just because of that. You're making these decisions, and he has to live with them.
3: Mm. Okay, let's fast forward. We have no idea yet what Bill Belichick's fate will be in New England, mm. but let's just yeah. say he's elsewhere next year. Do you think that Robert Kraft would jump on Mike Vrabel? That's the first question. And the second question, Michael, is do you think Vrabel would want a coach in New England with what's not left in that cupboard?
4: Yeah, and and that's the whole world. That's the whole thing about it, man. That is, that's probably the worst job available. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we start talking about it, it it's not even available right now. But if it becomes available, it's probably the worst job. But this is what's funny about that, because now I feel if, they, if they're letting Mike Vrabel go, they're probably going to let Derrick Henry move on to, I would imagine, I don't know, I'm just assuming, If Derrick Henry probably wants to follow Mike Vrabel if he can, you know. So, so, so here's this, here's this, and I don't know if Vrabel wants to do it, but, but they will give him the leeway he needs in the time. He needs. I would, uh, if I'm Vrabel, I'm going to get me a long-term contract. I know you're my boy, Mr. Crab, but I'm going to need some long-term to work this thing out. But it will work in this way. Vrabel's about running the football and playing great defense. Mm. And, and, And I know you don't have the right quarterback in New England yet, and he'll still be in the same situation he was in in Tennessee, but it's New England. You're not going to go find one of these Mike McDaniel type to come in and bring this. Air flying offense in New England. It's not going to happen in New England anyway because you, you, you're you going to have a lot of bad weather games, and if things are going great, you're going to have home games and the playoffs that are bad weather games. So you're going to build your team still around running the football and playing great defense, which is his specialty, but he has to find him a quarterback to make the plays when they are there. I don't need the guy throwing the ball all over the field. I just need the guy not making the mistakes and making the plays when they are there. Yeah, Vrabel can win in New England with that formula. Mm. Yeah, I, I think whatever
0: situation he walks into, I think he would because he would walk into New England if given that opportunity, if Belichick walked, just because of the storyline. I think New England, I think Kraft would do it. He's a homegrown talent. Um, he's a coach that, that kind of fits that mold of coaching. Uh, but I would assume this time he's going to tell them, I need power over my roster. I need to pick the guys on my roster. I need to know and have say-so when guys are going to depart from my roster. I don't want you trading guys from up under me, and then I have to just make the most out of what I got. I want to make that decision. I want to have that power. So, like Irv said, it would be the worst job of any job out there, Um, and I don't see a lot of coaches that are, are, are going to be jumping and chomping at the bit to go to New England and
3: coach, but I think Braves fits the bill. Mm, although Belichick's and, 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 downfall let me close was obviously... Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Yeah.
4: Right, right, I want to close something. When, when I say, you, you, when I talk about people wearing suits not being able to handle or know what's going on in the field, I, 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 it's not that you don't know football. You don't know the importance or the understanding of that locker room. You don't know, like, a A.J. Brown, what he meant in the locker room, and you're looking at numbers. You're looking at numbers and saying, well, we can handle these numbers. We can handle them. I'm telling you sometimes... I can go in the locker room and say, we can't do it without that guy right there. We can't do it without that guy. And Rabel's saying you right. can't take those guys out of the <coughs> locker room and expect the same results. And that's what you did to me. That's what they did to him.
3: Mm.
0: Right, right, right. They took, they took a very important piece out of it. And, and to your point, they didn't calculate how important he was. They thought it was plug and play. And, and sometimes, again, people get caught up in the X's and O's. And, and we talk about... Everything that happened in Seattle when we, when we lost our secondary and everything fell apart, it was because people thought it was the X's and O's, and it was really the Jimmys and right. Joes. Yep. And <clears throat> with A.J. With Brown, it wasn't just, hey, find a guy his size, his build, around his speed, and he's going to be able to do about the same thing. Right. It's a special right. guy that's right. making this happen.
4: Right, right, right. And, and I'm speaking to that, before every <laughs> game, before every game, Emin and I, Emin and I walked out. I was 88, he was 22. The last thing we did before we touched the field, we hit our heart. Boom, boom. We double trouble, baby. Now, we grew this together. We grew it together. You can go find a receiver that's better than me, faster, quicker, whatever, whatever you want, but you're not going to have that connection. So, So he's not going to, before they hit the field, hit me and you, buddy, me and you. I'm sure that's what they were doing. That's what I'm talking about. You people in suits just don't get. And when you break that up, you crumble. It's like ripping a piece of paper. It's like, it's, you know how hard it is to put this back together after yes. I rip it? That's why stay, these, keep your decisions. Man, just stay out of the locker room. Let the people in the locker room tell you mm. what's important in the locker room. I can't tell you how important that is.
3: So all I know about this is it's very rare when a coach of Mike Vrabel's magnitude with, with his track record hits the open market. It just doesn't happen very often. And somebody's going to hit the lottery with him. I, right. it, again, he'll have to make the choice w- where he thinks the best fit is for him. But Michael, for our sake in the NFC East, the team that scares me the most right now with the most brain power at the top Is now Josh Harris running the Commanders, with input from Michael Irvin, Bob Myers, and Rick Spielman, and there's there's smart there, there's there's know-how there, there's there's a a, a new direction and a new command there. I I don't love what's left in the locker room because they still don't have a quarterback. They do have some other pieces, but. Would Vrabel just be attracted to the leadership there, the ownership there that he could trust that, going forward? Because yep, if he did, yep, yep, I, they will, they're will they going to make waves yep. quickly. And, and they do and, have and, the second yep, pick that, in the that, draft, obviously. That, that, that's a great
4: yeah. point. You bring it up with Washington because Magic, and you said Mike Orton, but you meant Magic Johnson involved in that. Right, right. So, so yeah. what you're saying is what we're saying. Now in Washington – the guy wearing, wearing the suit really understands what's going on with the people wearing the uniform, so there could be harmony there. See, Magic understands more than yes. anybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't trust yeah. me. Magic understands more than anybody about how to lead men, how to put it together. I don't know. I, I told you guys this story. You know, when I first got in the league, my, one of my first days in Dallas, I got into this big argument with Ron Harper. You know, we were out, got into this big argument with Ron <coughs> Harper. The First training camp I go to in Thousand Oaks, uh, California, Magic Johnson was having his training camp right there with the Dallas Cowboys. Do you know Magic heard about this 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 little fallout me and Ron Harper had, and he called us in his office. He brought Ron Harper, 2000. He called me in his office and he sat us down as rookies. I was a rookie. He was like, listen. We ain't going to have any of this. Wow. We're not going to have any of this cross sports. I was like, whoa, where did Joker coming from? I was a young buck sitting in there. But it, it told me a whole lot about what Magic Johnson is. Mm. Ron Harper and I, right now to this day, the best of friends. We talk to each other. We see each other. We hug each other. All because of what Magic did. Magic understands the importance of that locker room. You're right. That worries me. I don't know why we're having this conversation. Let's change this conversation before <laughs> yeah, they listen exactly. to us, Dip. So, and Vrabel will be in Washington. Michael, can you Let's say stop this right now? Can you even give us a little
3: hint? What was the beef with Ron Harper?
4: I had just got i'm I'm young and crazy. I just got into Dallas and I walked in this place, this little club, and they were all set up and 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 you know, I walked in like the new man, the new shares, are down now. So, so, so they didn't necessarily like it. Okay. I told them, I don't care what they like. All they have is time. soon as I get my time, I'm going to get my money and my ring. And that I did.
3: He, you, that you, I did. You did times that three. Did. Yes, you did. Okay. We got to change the subject because we have got to talk Aaron Rodgers. Is he just making himself look worse and worse and worse? That's next. Aaron Rodgers responded to Jimmy Kimmel yesterday, but of course avoided apologizing for wrongly accusing Kimmel. This prompted Nancy Armour of USA Today to write... The epitaph of Aaron Rodgers' career will no longer be limited to one Super Bowl title, four MVP awards, and countless superlative stats. It will also have to include his descent into conspiracy theories and misinformation and a baseless attack on Jimmy Kimmel he tried badly to excuse as a misunderstanding. Once again, Rodgers tried to blame the media, saying, and I quote Aaron, This is their game plan. They use these words to cancel people, and they went and ran with this because it's the crazy anti-vaxxer wacko accusing somebody. Nancy Armour now concludes, you can no longer separate Rodgers, the star quarterback, from Rodgers, the quack. So, Michael Irvin, you're in the Cold Football Hall of Fame. You understand reputation. How much damage has Aaron Rodgers done to his image?
4: Uh, This has been interesting because we watched Aaron Rodgers leave Green Bay, and I thought he was doing a great job uh, immersing himself in New York in his new situation with his team. We saw him put out a great effort even after four plays in, tearing his Achilles to try to get back to said team. All of those are good things. I don't know why Aaron is on this rant right here. I watched Jimmy Kimmel tear into him. Uh, last yeah. night, and, 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 and two it was nights pretty ago, funny yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah, it, a couple nights ago, mm-hmm. it, it was pretty funny to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and, and it is a place you don't want to be. Now, now, and, and you know what, what, what? The things I saw, seen, and even in the article, he's talking about. This is going to put him up there with the with the Barry Bonds, you know, uh, uh, the Pete, the, the Pete Rose with the gambling and all of that. Lance stuff. Armstrong, yeah. Yeah, and the Lance Armstrongs so yep. and and all of that, and mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's so. I don't yeah. know if that's so We're talking to to this degree, because because you know th- those 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 things that actually touch the sport in which they participated in, but th- this is taking them into another world and open other eyes, and other people are talking about it. But you can never win. Football is a bring-you-together thing. It, it brings everybody together. You can have your teams and we can compete. But when you start going over into that world, you know, the politics and, and all the stuff that Aaron's talking about, then, then things they, they get cloudy. They get cloudy, and, and, it's, and it's a distraction. Yeah. It's a distraction. And Aaron has to understand, you can say all of this in Green Bay, nah, and, and doesn't even make a trickle. But you say some of it in New York mm. and you get an avalanche. Mm-hmm. And that's what he has to understand.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a reckless article. I, I I don't I don't agree that it should have ever been written. Um I agree that Aaron has said some controversial things and that should deserve criticism and, and, and all that. But to compare him to people that have cheated the game. Yeah, I agree. That have with cheated that. the sports he, he that he played. He didn't, right. no. he didn't cheat. He didn't cheat. He didn't take steroids. He didn't do anything on the football field to tarnish his legacy of what he did on the football field. Correct. So to say that and write that in the article is beyond reckless and and, and, and ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous for anybody to, to associate those things because what you're trying to associate is him cheating the game. You're associating him with people who have cheated in their sports to get an advantage or cheated in their sports to, to get financial gain or whatever the case may be. And that's not the case. Is he being a little crazy right, right now The a conspiracy theorist? No question. No yeah. question about it. Yeah. That's beyond debate. But to say, hey, this is going to tarnish his legacy of what he did on the football field. Uh, I, I just think that's... Uh, let, that's let me push your, your, back your, a little. Your,
4: sure. sure. Not, let me push okay. back a little for him that wrote this article in this sense that I can see just a little inkling of what he's talking about because of the times that we are in right now, where before... Yes, it would not have an effect on Aaron Rodgers because it would have gotten dropped out that it happened at 11 o'clock at night on some little news channel. But with social media here, this stuff gets overplayed, played over, played over. That little clip that Aaron Rodgers will get played over and over and over again. Now, it won't affect his, I think, football legacy on the field like with the guys that he brought up. But that clip, Aaron Rodgers keep playing, it'll go over and over. We got to start thinking yep. about what social media means now and how that yep. plays into all of what we're talking
0: about. Mm. I, hear, I hear what you're saying, but this is a day and age where 24-hour news stream changes every day. There's going to be a you gazillion clips between now and 10 years of, of other people saying stuff and other people going viral and things like that. Right. I, but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, hey, maybe he, he's going to sound crazy. That's a, It's going to be associated with him. But yeah. to say it affects his football legacy, that's where I draw the line. That's where I draw the ire because you're comparing it to people who sullied their legacy by yeah. cheating, not yeah. sullied their legacy by saying something wild. Now, if you said Terrell Owens and he, maybe he had some antics off the field and, yeah, and did some things to, to kind of but he didn't cheat. He didn't cheat.
3: No, he's still a great
0: football player. He's still a Hall of Famer. Aaron's still a Hall of Fame football player. He's still right. a Hall of Fame talent. It doesn't change right. anything he's done on the field. So right. I take offense by somebody okay. really trying to associate that right. in that way. Yeah, and by the way, with T.O. It it won't stop
3: him from getting in the Hall, hall of field. Fame.
4: Yeah, it won't stop him yeah. from getting in the Hall of Fame like
3: he's stopping them from getting in their hall. Yeah, you're right. Hey, Richard, just a right. quick point of order from a journalist. I I did like what Nancy wrote for the most part. I think the headline was misleading, and I think it took it in a different direction that you took it, and she didn't write the headline. So just for the—that's not the point of this conversation, but I just want to make that— editors. Okay. Yes, yes. But now back to the bigger point here. I I have criticized Aaron for years and years. I've been a lone wolf for many of those years— But mine has been more locker room, sideline football stuff. And by the way, if I just want to criticize just his football legacy, I'm going to say it again. Since that long ago, far away Super Bowl, 13 years ago, he's seven and nine in the postseason. And if I had time, I would take you through the seven wins because he got some big breaks in all seven of the wins. And the nine losses, some of them were horrendous losses because, Richard, you witnessed a couple of them. And Aaron stunk in those losses. The one at Seattle, what was that? The NFC Championship game, and then you also was that the NFC Championship game at San Francisco? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. I mean, we, we
0: had some pretty good defenses there. But in I, play, I'm like, just yes, saying that yeah, you,
3: right. you you made him look bad. That's what happened in both of those. So my point is, even that that long ago Super Bowl wild card road run. Remember, in the NFC Championship game at Chicago, Jay Cutler gets hurt and he's on the bicycle in the second half. The second half of that game, I dare anybody to go look at Aaron Rodgers' performance. He wasn't very good by Aaron Rodgers' four MVP standards. Frankly, he stunk in the second half, and he was very lucky. That Remember, he's up against the immortal Caleb Haney playing quarterback for the Bears. They were lucky they survived and got to the Super Bowl, and he was great in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh defense. Troy Polamala played with a bad hamstring. Ryan Clark, and he he ate him up. And Greg Jennings ate him up on that post route touchdown. I, I give him that. But... If you look hard, I, I think he's had some epic fails, especially at home the last three years in Green Bay, and I'm not even counting the one a year ago when they lost what was sort of a playoff for the playoff game at home to destroy Lady. the last regular season game. So you can justly criticize his football over the last 13 years, and I can criticize his lack of leadership in the football context, sure. his diva sure. personality, his finger-pointing and blame-deflecting as the quarterback and alleged leader of that football team. And that's why he's no longer there. And by the way, it's also why in the big picture, remember, State Farm dropped him. He owned those State Farm commercials and he was great in them for many. What, what was it for? It felt like 15 years of Aaron Rodgers dominating State Farm commercials. And it was odd that he goes to New York finally, leaves smallest market Green Bay for the Big Apple and – State Farm said no, and, and it's because he started taking away from football stances, political stances, right. anti-vax stances, and finally, State Farm's like we're out. And I think a lot of people are now out on Aaron just because he has gotten a little wacky in some of his, uh, you know, obviously his conspiracy theory theories, right? Yeah, but I, but again, that
0: doesn't. I, I, I as a football guy. As a guy yeah. who speaks football, lives football, yeah. in the football world, I really could care less. I could care less. Did he cheat the game? Is he doing something to take away from the game? Because that's what I'm talking about right now. When you write an article like that to insinuate that he has cheated the game somehow because he's no, taken some no. some kind of outrageous stances on vax and anti-vax and, anti right. no, and I, et cetera, et cetera, no, that's, that's where fair. I take. I take, and, and that's where you can't you you can't do it. You know, that's where you're gonna sit here and we're gonna have to criticize your article because you have a fair point in the article. No question. Yeah. Nancy has a fair point in what she's saying. Hey, these stances are outrageous, and it's taken away from the greatness of the football player. Yeah. But then to go and associate it with those guys changes the right. complexity
3: right. of your article in totality. Okay, but Richard, real quick, you, you, you look at the game very differently than the, the average fan looks at the game. I think she's writing more to the average fan because for the fans – it's, it is starting to be hard to separate the great quarterback from the conspiracy theorist, right? It's, it's starting, they're starting to blend together. You can't forget the off the field in favor of the on the field because one's starting to outweigh the other.
4: Well, well, well only, only now because he's not playing football. Now, once Aaron Rodgers Rogers get back on the football field, the results of the game will outweigh yeah. all the talks that we're hearing right now. That's all because since Aaron Rodgers is not on the football field, he's in New York. Everything he talks about right now, you know, they're trying to build it. the other show, the shows he come on and everything, and he's helping them. I, as opposed to worrying about, I need to make sure I have my city, and the city he has is so drowning in political. Why are you jumping in that game? Why are you <laughs> jumping in that game? You, go and bring people together. That city's got enough of that stuff yeah. that you're per- per- perpetuating already. Trust me, it does.
3: Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and by the way, if, if Aaron could lead the Jets to next year's Super Bowl championship, a lot of this well, gets forgotten that. quickly, man, because all of a sudden that's you're back on I'm the, the right yeah.
4: That's right. what I'm talking and, and, about right That's what I'm talking
3: about and that's the, that's the point.
0: Like So so if Aaron Rodgers didn't play another down and he shut it down and hung up the cleats today, he'd be a Hall of Fame player. And he'd be one of the best Hall of Famers. Just back to what Dion's point was, right. there should be a different Hall of Fame for some of these Hall of Famers because they, Hall of Fames aren't always right. created equal. There's some of these guys that are getting in these days that yeah. aren't on Tom Brady's level, aren't on Aaron's level, aren't on, on Peyton Manning's yeah. level, aren't on Dion's and Irv's yeah. level. And so... But at the end of the day, he's a Hall of Famer and a Hall of Famer with a great resume. So I I just I think she could have wrote it without without the association.
3: I I got it. But Richard, is it fair to me in the football context to to bring up and criticize Aaron for having the one seed going back two years ago in Green Bay? He had the one seed and he wound up with his first ever home NFC championship game. And he did not play well in that game and lost to Brady, obviously. And then the next year he's got the one seed again. And in the first home playoff game against Jimmy G, he he stunk it up again and they lost. And then last year they had that late chance to, to make it into the playoffs. All they had to do was beat Detroit at home, and he played poorly in that game. Is it fair in that context to criticize? No question. That's fair. That's football criticism. That's
0: fair criticism. That's the most crucial games that he's playing of the season, the games that matter the most. He didn't play well. You get to fairly criticize him.
4: And, and, And it's not, even regardless of how he played, it came down in that first championship game to a decision that Aaron Rodgers made. He could have, I believe, ran and he scored a have. touchdown. He decided to throw that ball late. Remember back across his Do body? I? Or one play, I remember seeing where well, one receiver was open early, but he held on to it, I think, to go to Devontae Adams or something, and it fell incomplete. That is so correct. it wasn't that he played poorly. Down in the end, when the game was on the line, he made poor decisions also. Yeah. Tom Brady made the right decisions, and then they won that game. So, yeah, you, you can criticize that. Yeah,
3: he, he had it, Michael. He had it first and goal at the eight, and he Correct. threw it three straight times. He could have run it the second on second and third down. He right. could, It looked like it was open for him to just bolt and run for the, the pylon and might have right. made uh, it. Uh, uh, he, yeah.
4: Right, and even if he didn't make it, he, you would have been on the one-inch line to go on your, ne- on down, on your next down. and You could have gotten in the end zone and won that game to go into a Super and, and Bowl. And remember, those his, are
3: decisions. Yeah, Michael, his young coach at that time was very young, decided right. on fourth down, I think I'm going to take the field goal when they didn't really need the field goal at that Correct. point. They needed a touchdown, and he didn't let the four-time MVP throw one more time for the end zone, and that was the end of the game. All right, and, and, and Skip, that's why he and he wanted to throw that touchdown to beat
4: Brady. He didn't want to run it. He wanted to throw that touchdown to beat Brady. And and that's what got him caught up. You overthought. You think you can outthink everybody. You overthought. Same thing you (laughs) You had to deal with, Sherm. Same thing you had to deal with. You know, you're overthinking. Just hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch here. Let's not try to outthink
3: everybody. Let's do this. And you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. All right, in a moment, we got to talk about what happened out here in Los Angeles last night at the crypt. Toronto's coach blasted the refs for allowing the Lakers to shoot 23 fourth quarter free throws to only two for the Raptors. Then again, LeBron James shot zero free throws in the fourth quarter. We'll debate all that in just a moment. No mercy, no mercy, no mercy. Now it's your turn, hashtag Undisputed Live. Here we go, first tweet from James Pearson. Jerry Jones giving Mike McCarthy a vote of confidence. I think that's J.R. Ewing. Nobody gives you power. Real power is something you take. Okay, yeah. Right, right, Ain't Michael, a vote of confidence. Michael, did you ever watch the TV show Dallas? Fan, no fan? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Yeah. oh
4: yeah, I love I love Dallas, man. Did you? Okay. Absolutely. I never got into I watched it. That.
3: yeah Okay. Yeah, I did a,
4: did a shoot on the set of did Dallas. You really? and,
3: oh, wow. Yeah, I did a shoot. It was impressive. Okay, I always thought Dallas belonged in Houston. The TV show was more about Houston than Dallas, but that's just me. All right, next up from Eric Skip. I mean, he's obviously a 49er <clears throat> fan. Skip, Dallas better win versus Green Bay. Sherman Key will be relentless. That's a fact. And he goes on right. to say a 49ers-Dallas-NFC title game would set all-time TV ratings records. He's got 49ers by 14, as we see Fred Warner in last year's divisional loss, 19 to 12 at San Francisco, pointing it back like, I got you. Right. Yeah.
4: Yeah, we want yep. you. Like, yeah. we want you. Yeah. You got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. It would be happy to right. see there him again. Be a, it,
3: there I would must be happy an end to this. Yes.
4: There
3: must there be must an be end. An Third end time to. would be the charm. Okay. And finally, from Thomas Edwards, Coach Edwards, who says, Skip's prediction of how the Dallas Cowboys season would go is just like his golf game. A hole-in-one aced it. Hole-in-one. I did yesterday. I must admit I had my first ever hole-in-one, and I felt like I had just won the Masters. I never thought I would have one, (laughs) and miracles do occur. I am living proof of that. (laughs) Well, Well, I'm 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 happy for you, Skip. I'm ringing the bell at Brentwood Country Club, a tradition, when you have a hole-in-one. Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: Brentwood is it exclusive
3: can. now. Not, not really. I got into it. How can it be exclusive? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying.
0: You're somebody. Yeah, you know, that's what you're
3: saying, Skip.
0: You're somebody. Yeah.
3: Well, yesterday I was because I'm ringing the bell, the, the hole in one bell. I never thought it would happen, yeah. but it did.
0: Okay. That back might to be the your real Super Bowl world. this year, Skip. Yeah.
3: What's that? Say again.
0: That might be your Super Bowl right. this year, Skip. There right, you go, right, baby.
3: Right, right, hey. right. You know what I Skip, thought? That's,
4: I
0: thought
3: it was an old.
1: Jimmy
4: Johnson curse. You're right. The Jimmy Johnson curse. We got holes and ones now. Holes in this ones. thing is lining up. It right. is lined I up. I don't know what.
3: Right. It is lining up, but it is right. That's <laughs> what Coach Edwards is saying. Thank you very much. Okay, we got to talk a little bit of NBA because there was a lot of NBA that happened out here in LA last night. Raptors coach Darko Rajakovic first time I ever said his name went on a table pounding rant I know him now after the Raptors lost by a point last night to the Lakers in LA it was 132 to 131 that was a lot of points but his point was that in the fourth quarter alone the Lakers shot 23 free throws to Toronto's two free throws Lakers outscored him from the free throw line 19 to 1 in the fourth quarter yet the the Raptors were only outscored in the fourth by two points. It was 44-42 Lakers in the fourth quarter. So here's what Darko had to say. That's
1: that's that's outrageous. What happened tonight? This is completely BS. This is shame, shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in in the fourth quarter. How's that possible? How are you gonna explain that to me? They had to win tonight. If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight.
3: Oh, Darko, <laughs> calm down. Okay, so My he man. definitely has a point, yet lately the Lakers have been the ones complaining in the league office that LeBron rarely gets the calls he deserves. And the irony last night was that in the fourth quarter, <laughs> LeBron shot zero free throws for the Lakers, who shot 23. Okay, so Richard, you being a lifelong diehard Lakers fan, did the Raptors get a raw deal in the fourth quarter?
0: I don't know, Skip. I mean, some of those were intentional fouls. Uh, there was there an were. offensive foul in there. There was there was there was a, the flagrant that may have been a flagrant one. They gave his a flagrant two. Yeah, that's you know when he true. elbowed uh, Cam yeah. Reddish in mm-hmm. the face. He I did. think he was. Clearly, uh, came so, across. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: I mean, came that was probably that, that elbow, was
4: what, <laughs> Right. Right,
0: right. That was about that was what 10 12 free throws right there. So, those were kind of self-inflicted and then the rest of them, you got to expect a team that that has a big man that's dominating in the paint is going to get some calls. And that's that's what happened. Now, did I think there were some calls that that they could have got Toronto on the three-pointer that was banked in. I thought maybe there was a foul, there was a chance. It was um, close. When they went drove for a dunk at one point that mm-hmm. looked like a foul, but there weren't a lot of opportunities where I thought Man, they're missing these calls for Toronto and and they need to be calling this. I mean, the Lakers were letting them get to the cup with no resistance at times. So, there wasn't no fouls There wasn't no defense at all sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, Scotty Barnes might have a grip gripe for for one or two plays, but outside of that, I mean, I didn't see a ton.
4: Yeah, uh, at first my first thought was when I listened to him in the rant, I said, "Oh, that's going to be findable." That that no. If they had to win, just yeah. let me know so we don't have to show up. Yeah, okay, he, that's a, that right there is going to be final.
3: Oh, well, we hey, he's to, suggesting it was
4: rigged, <laughs> right? That's what I'm yeah. saying, Why and the no? NBA is not going for that, buddy. No, oh, they will not go for that. No, God, trust me, they're going to have that. They're going to say something about that. You talked about the Sherman, eleven free throws, were how many Anthony Davis had in in, in in the fourth quarter. So, so you know. But when you hear those numbers, I can understand his gripe. When you hear those numbers, and, and, and you guys are breaking it down, of course, you know with, with some of the intentionals and all of that. But they do sound extreme. They sound right. extreme and like, whoa, something had to go fishy here. Something had to get funny here in that kind of situation. But, Skip, you you talked about it. You know, he talked about hey, if we need a star, Scotty Bonds wanted a star. He's a face of elite. No, 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 what no. What are you no. saying, no. yeah? That, that, that guy on the other side over there. LeBron, uh, AD, those are face-of-the-league guys. Those guys over there. You guys are not. (laughs) Scotty Barnes is not (laughs) face-of-the-league kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? Good player, good young player, good young player, but not face-of-the-league kind of guy right now. So I I, I see it. I said, man, I, I don't know if... If I'm saying they were cheating or anything like that, I, I don't think that was his situation. I also thought about this, guy because I know we're talking about Draymond Green. I said to myself, hmm, I wonder even if Draymond Green did that same thing Quilly just did. Are we going to see, because nobody said that was intentional when Quitley did it last night when yeah. he hit Cam Reddish. It's just a thought that went through my head because now uh, – since he's back, Draymond Green back. if, he, if one of those kind of situations are we going to call that unintentional, that kind of situation, that's what I thought about.
3: I don't think this was purpose, purposeful. Um, I just think it fell out that way. Okay. Allow me to say that we have criticized and criticized and criticized some more Anthony Davis on this show to the point that our man, well, Lil Wayne. Balling. What's that? Yeah. yeah Lil he's Wayne balling, went so far man, to say it. it's time for him to yeah. go. And I believe that Wayne, one of the smartest people I know on the face of this earth, and one of the smartest sports fans I know, was he he was calculated. He wanted to light a new fire under Anthony. And I believe he has, because ever since Wayne called him out, boy, Anthony has been playing, dare I say, at a top five level. His fourth quarter last night was a top five player fourth quarter because you score 20 in the fourth. When the other team is, is just raining threes on you and you go to the free throw line 11 times and make all 11 and even better down the stretch of that game, Anthony Davis made nine straight free throws in the last four minutes. That's extraordinary to me, to me for a man that big. It's like Joel Embiid can make free throws. But for Anthony, who's missed a lot of key free throws in the past for this team to come up that big was special to me, and it it was significant to me because he's showing you he can carry the load he can still do it. I know we say, yeah, but where will you be tomorrow night the next night the next night but that was spectacular, and remember it's one thirty two to one thirty one so nobody's playing much defense here, and the Lakers still right, right, I, i've right. seen <laughs> him clamp down on the clippers and I saw him clamp down on Indiana in that cup final, but they weren't playing any defense last night, but the point was that Toronto does have uh, a respectable big man. And Jakob Pertl, I know him. I like him. I think he's a good guy, and I think he's a smart player, and he gives you all he's got every night, and he'll give you like 11 and 8. And he couldn't play last night, so all of a sudden they got a gaping hole in their defense, and, and Anthony and LeBron took advantage of it because LeBron's just feeding Anthony like crazy. And... He rose and he shone last night, and yet it did come down to one play, and Toronto had some beef here, although I, I, I'm with the call on this. If we could see it real quick, this is 24.8 seconds left. Scotty Barnes, faced the league, made another three, and he, it was cold, man. It was a cold-blooded three, and they called R.J. Barrett for a moving screen, and I thought he did because he, he, he moves into Anthony. I thought he was moving. I thought it was a fair call. They went crazy. Toronto did because they thought they were already getting screwed. But do you guys think that was a reasonable call, the right call? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a foul. I, don't, I think uh,
0: Anthony Davis might have exaggerated it to a degree. Uh, I don't think right. that should have knocked him to the ground, but I think it was a moving screen. Had they not called that before? No question. Uh, I think Anthony Davis being on the court and falling to the ground affected that call. All, right.
4: All <laughs> I, right. I don't think that was much of a call. Right, right. Look here. You, you know, it's not like he's continuing to move. And, and yeah. you're right, Anthony. Put some. He, he put some Hollywood yeah. on it. He put okay. some Hollywood
3: on it. Okay. But if if you don't call that, the game is tied at that point. Maybe we're having a different conversation. And yet, Anthony goes late in the game, makes the two free throws, that makes it a four point game. And then Richard mentioned Schroeder. X laker makes one off the glass. If we could see this at the end, and here we go, Richard. Uh, uh, Richard, you got this. And the, it could have yep, been – yep. it looked like Austin Reeves might have gotten him. Right. It was close. Looks
0: like he's – it looked like he got him a little bit. They could have yeah. definitely called that. I wouldn't have been surprised if they Ooh. called that and it was a four-point play.
3: Ooh. So, Richard, overall, what's your takeaway from uh, last not, night? Uh, 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 Are Brass- they could have yeah. called – wait, wait, wait. Look, it works
4: his Right. Remember, you got to give him the space to come down. You're supposed to Remember yeah. the, right. the, those rules that they put in yeah. so they don't come down on somebody's heel and hurt themselves. So Austin Reed, yeah, where, where's his space to come down? So,
3: you know what I'm saying? You could call right here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. not sure Shooter yeah. called Glass, but I don't know. It looked pretty pure, <laughs> actually. Maybe from that angle, he did call yeah. Glass.
0: If he called yeah. glass, I mean, he, well, he's an NBA player, so yeah,
3: they no. they got a different kind of talent. Yeah. But, <sighs> so Richard, we, 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 elated, deflated last night. What, what's what's your emotion off that game?
0: I'm not elated about anything right now, Skip. We're a 500 team. We were uh, after the tournament. We were what four games over 500, five games over 500. Feeling good, looking good. They played great in that championship for the play-in, and mm-hmm. since then we have not played with the same kind of effort. I mean. Uh, except for the Clippers game. We have not played with the same kind of intensity. And so I'm not elated about anything. I'm I'm more indifferent. I'm more wait and see because we need to continue to win these games. We've won two in a row. Uh, They need to continue to play. Anthony Davis has played well throughout this time, so i got to give him credit uh, because we've criticized him a ton.
3: Have we?
4: Yeah. Let me tell you what I'm elated about. Let me tell you what I'm elated about. I'm elated about that right there. What I just heard Sherm say, and what you keep mentioning, uh, Skip, is – When Anthony Davis doesn't play well, we talk about it right here. Do we? So every time he plays well, we must give equal billing to that. Every time we would keep bringing it up, I don't care what, we, des- we he deserves that because if he plays poorly, we going to talk about it. So all that he's doing right now since, since, since Wayne has called him out, yep. we- we're doing right and giving him his just dessert because he is balling right now. He's showing you, yeah, I can take this thing over if LeBron should one day move away.
3: Ooh. You got that right. Okay, we got to get back to the National Football League because uh hold on. The Chiefs are only 4-point favorites in sub-zero weather over the Miami Dolphins. We discuss next. No mercy, no mercy. No mercy. Oh Come
2: back, back, back down.
3: Chiefs coach Andy Reid scoffed about the potential below zero temperatures for Saturday night's playoff game against Miami at Arrowhead. Reid saying, we're not having a snowball fight. Well, the the battered Dolphins are obviously a warm weather-based team with a quarterback from Hawaii. But to Reed's point, the oddsmakers open the Chiefs as only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which now has been bet up to Kansas City by four. So, Michael Irvin, you being from Fort Lauderdale,
4: does oh, this God. point
3: spread seem about right to you? Well, let
4: me see. When, when, when I looked at last game, of course, that week nine game, you know, it was 21-14, uh, the, the final score. And, and, and in that game, I saw Tyreek Hill let a ball go. That I thought could have been a touchdown. So I thought Miami could have won that game, even though that was across the way when they played the Chiefs here. Now, now, I, 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 I see this game as about even. And you go three and a half. You know, we give three points to to the yeah. uh, home team. Mm-hmm. But but he, he, here's what, here's what's interesting about this game. When you start talking about the weather that this is going to have and the effect that the weather's going to have on this game, you know. That ball gets heavy in cold weather like that. You have to focus more on the ball. And ironically, 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 that helps more than hurts the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs, they, they've had so many drops, and drops comes from a lack of focus. Yep. A lack of focus on catching the pass. Now you get in this kind of weather— That's all you do is focus on catching the pass. There is no, I'm going to run early now. Because we know, man, this ball is heavy. My hands feel like they got little knives, little needles in each one of them. So I'm trying to make sure I can put my hand in the right position to catch that football. This really may help them in focusing On making those plays, it comes down to, I believe, though, who can run this football better. And I do believe Miami, with the speed they have, they they, they can. You know, I know they didn't do a great job last time. I believe, though, in Kansas City, this will be different. If the weather wasn't so bad, I would take Miami in this. I would take Miami in this game, but with the weather being where it is, and the Chiefs knowing how to play in that weather, and Miami doesn't want any part of it. I, I'll end up taking the Chiefs. and, and, and I'll, So I have to say, yeah, it's about where it should be, which is they have home field advantage. That's what they're saying. It's a pretty close game, though.
3: You agree, Rich? Yeah, the,
0: de- yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. weather's definitely helping the Chiefs. Uh, I think that's right. That's going to be a huge advantage. I think they should have <laughs> ran the ball. The Miami Dolphins should have ran the ball and kept running the ball last game. Right. Raheem Mostert had 12 carries saying. for 85 yards. He was averaging seven a, a, a carry and... I think if they would have continued on that path, they may have won that game. Uh, they did do a great job on Tyreek Hill. Irv brought up the play that could have potentially been a touchdown, but outside of that, they held him pretty much in check. They held Jalen Waddle in check. Uh, they held Tuatonga to vailoa in check. And, and Spags has consistently done a great job this season against Tuatonga to vailoa um, and, and, and against quarterbacks with, with explosive offenses. So I think... I. I It's very hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead in the playoffs where he's 10-2, and and the only two losses have come to Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. It's hard for me to think Tua Tungabailoa is going to walk into Arrowhead and walk away with the victory despite everything that the Kansas City Chiefs have gone through, all the offensive inefficiency, the drops, um, the kind of head-scratching decisions at times. I still think in the playoffs, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are a tough out. Yeah, you mean he's lost. Uh, let me, let me to, say this, but
4: what I thought in that last game, what I thought in that last game because I interviewed Tyreek Hill right before that game, remember? And, and Tyreek Hill, he said he dreams about this. He thinks about it. He wanted to score so badly against his former team, remember? So Coach McDaniel went in that game trying to satisfy his superstar and understand it. Because I'm saying the exact same thing you're saying, Richard— They they should have continued to run the ball, but they wanted to get the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill. And remember, Kansas City had Snead following him all over and banging him up at the line of scrimmage. I'm saying you've shown that. Now Mike McDaniel has to come up with something better to work around that, and that that that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. This bad weather should play into Miami's hand also, which makes them force them to go to H. Hand if Moster's back healthy,
3: but, but go use H. Hand in that running game more. Michael, if I didn't know better, I think you have a South Florida bias here operating because <laughs> I, I'm not seeing what you see. I I see. The Dolphins in maybe minus five below, you know, five below zero temperatures. I I see that as a recipe for disaster, a nighttime disaster, because every time they've gone on the road against a good team, they get exposed. And Jalen Waddell was uh, he, he was a limited participant in practice yesterday. But it sounds like game time decision sounds iffy. Mostert could be iffy. He practiced limited yesterday. So they're a beat-up, battered, you, you could go all the way to decimated football team. And if it's only Tyreek, as Richard says, with Spags, just if it's Tyreek alone, even going back to his old stomping grounds in Kansas City, I, I just don't know how much damage Spags will let just him do to that secondary. Right. And, okay. and, and let, me yeah. tell
4: you, let me tell you what I mean by this. Let mm-hmm. me tell you what I mean Then, Okay, because the weather is so badly now, what happens? Yeah, Miami has to come out of their primary game plan, which is quick game, quick game to Tyreek. Quick game to Tyreek. Well, Snead knows this. They're going to press Tyreek now. So I'm going to use Tyreek more. As a decor. I know you're going to press him and carry a safety over the top. I'm going to move him out, and I'm going to use this run game. So I'm saying the bad weather that helps you, Kansas City, and your receivers focus more, it can help Miami also because it'll get their focus off always trying to throw the ball mm. and say, let's let's play the run game more, and let's see what happens here. Not one game has Miami said my primary is going to be the run game, and I'll build off of it. This game may be the first, and I'm saying they may discover something in understanding they other taking that route, and they can take that route. Sherm just told you they were getting six or seven yards a pop, six or seven yards a pop. With that kind of speed, one or two times in the cold weather, you miss him, he's gone. Reaching those hands out, those fingers are, are, are tight, they're cold, they're frozen. Those are those tackles, hand finger tackles are a little bit more difficult. That kind of speed, he could be gone. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying.
3: Mm, and even if Mostert does not play, you still good?
4: Right. Well, that's why I say even if Mostert don't play, he didn't play last week. H hand he He could be gone. It's not like you're going to get the next guy that's slower. The next guy is actually faster, so that's even more dangerous. And, yeah, all of these slick blocking schemes, they work better in this cold weather because people are moving a little slower. If they attack Miami, you got to shoot those gaps before those blocking schemes hit you. This is going to be more interesting than people give it, than people
0: think. Mm. Richard. Yeah, it's definitely going to yeah. be interesting. I think Jeff Wilson, if Raheem doesn't play, Jeff Wilson Jr. is a battering ram, and yeah. and it may be, you know, it may be more conducive to him having success in this game anyway. A cold conditions game. You talked about people not wanting to tackle. They definitely aren't going to want to tackle him. But on the other side, Pacheco runs the ball very hard, consistently. Um, he runs, consistently. Hard. He runs White hard. Edwards <laughs> O'Leary, O'Leary, they got backs to do the same thing. So I think. You know, it could definitely be a short game if that's where it ends up on the ground. But I don't think Andy Reid's going to live on the ground with Patrick Mahomes
3: in any conditions. I have seen Patrick play in cold weather before because in that AFC championship game against Brady, it was very cold that day. I don't know what the wind chill was around zero. And I thought Patrick was great in that game. Brady yeah, in right. overtime was just a little greater because he converted three straight third and tens, which is almost inconceivable as they marched down for the touchdown. And obviously Patrick didn't get a chance. But the point right. is, I think Patrick will will throw it great in the cold. I, I think they'll throw it great against Miami's decimated defense. Obviously, there's no Bradley Chubb, Xavier Howard. So, Man, M- Michael, I, I don't know, four points. I know you Michael, you and I have never had a dinner bet. I bet Keyshawn a bunch and Richard some, but would this would you like one. to to do a dinner bet on this game? Would if I gave you four, would you take it for a dinner?
4: Ooh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, well, well first. But I
4: told you, I'm taking the Chiefs because of the weather. But I, I'm telling you how this weather, oh, though, is bad so you're just for Miami. A case for Miami. Okay. Okay. I, I'm making a case. Uh, but I'm so taking the Chiefs. Now, okay. I told you this, though, so, Skip. Yeah. If this weather wasn't this, if the weather was better, I would take Miami in that bet. Okay, In that bet, if the weather right. was better. Because I figured they, 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 they know how you're going to play Tyreek Hill now, and I will put it on Mike McDaniel to figure out a way to use that against them. Because that's exactly what, what's going to happen here in this game. But I, But the weather says I can't take that bet. Okay. I can't take that. Okay. I'm a
3: Florida boy.
4: I know no I, bet I on any Florida
3: boy going into zero that, degree weather. There you That's go. Not good. Okay. So if I were a betting man, I was once upon a time, but I'm not anymore. But if I were, I would jump all over this. I would I I'd be all over Kansas City on this. And I would give the four to Miami because I think Kansas City could win this game by twenty one. I think it could get out of hand. Mm. Just because you got Tua in the cold, and it, I, I just think it's recipe for Miami disaster.
4: Yeah, and, and and they'll try to grab all the old, all of the old glory in this in this game because remember now, everything ain't coming through Kansas City anymore.
0: No, no. Right, right, yeah. right. It's not going to be the Arrowhead Invitational this year as it's been the last five years. If they win this game right. and Buffalo wins, they'll likely have to go to Buffalo. And we can talk about that. We can cross that bridge when we get there.
3: Yeah. Richard, could you see Kansas City winning this by a lot? No. No, I don't think it'll be
0: by a lot. I I just can't trust their offense like that, like we have in the past, to say, hey, they're just going to get explosive. I mean, you you talk about they'll be able to pass the ball all all over the yard, which is true because they have Patrick Mahomes. Will they be able to catch it? That's been the concern this season. Can they catch the football? and, And will they drop it? And the, the elements will make it worse. Now, on the other side, we could talk about Tyreek Hill, but he played in Kansas City. So we we know he's coming back to the cold, and yeah. that's not his natural element. No. But he did play there for years, no, he so didn't. he knows how to dress. He no, knows he which did. gloves to wear. He <clears> knows which socks to wear. He, he'll know how to deal with these elements, which cleats to wear. This is this was his home stadium for a number of years, so I don't think the cold will have a huge effect on okay, him so because Richard, he's been
3: there. I offer you then, would you like to do – a dinner on, uh, I'd give you Miami plus four. Would you take that? I don't, I, I do not got Miami in this game. <laughs> this okay. game I got Kansas City. Right, there we go. Right, right, Case closed. Right. Case closed. <laughs> right. All right, we got to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers next because we're hearing Mike Tomlin might take next year off. My point is Buffalo should hope he takes this Sunday off. We'll talk about that. Y'all see on, who please. just
4: called me? Y'all see who just called me? That Jerry Jones. We are gonna talk about all of this well, after this show. I'm gonna okay. go see this dude. Thank you. I'm gonna talk to him about Mike McCarthy and the pressure on him. Good. I don't know what. Yeah, we gonna talk about it. I'm gonna meet with Jerry right after. We must right. have made a point. We must have got him. We it. must yeah. have. No mercy, right? no mercy.
3: Adam Schefter says Mike Tomlin might just take the Sean Payton route next year, the final year of his Steelers contract, and maybe do television for a year while he decides what he wants to do with the rest of his coaching career. Steelers are 10-point underdog Sunday at Buffalo. Richard, your reaction to all of this?
0: I feel him. Um, you, you, you coach your butt off every year just to get your team in the playoffs. You have no franchise quarterback to be seen and none on the on the horizon. Uh, this defense has been been really good, but they're aging. T.J. Watt is out for this playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. You just fired your offensive coordinator midseason. Uh, there, there's just so much to deal with consistently, and Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, but I would imagine he has to go over and beyond to get the most out of some of these players. He had to... The, the whole deal with George Pickens throughout the year, you know, yeah. his frustration growing with the lack of targets, uh, had to deal with Kenny Pickett and then Trubisky and now Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough to not have a franchise quarterback as long as he hasn't had one and still be winning these games. Maybe he needs a mental break. Coaching is a long grind. He's been doing it 17 years straight. Seventeen years. Maybe he needs a break. Yeah. Michael.
4: I, I find it hard to believe. I find it hard to believe. I, I spoke with – Coach Tomlin, you know, of course, they called me earlier uh, before the season. And and when I talked with him, you know what he was talking about? He said, Michael, I got another opportunity to go and raise up some young men and bring the best out of them. He said, I, I, I love it. I can't wait to go do it. I want to run towards it. And it, it, he talks about running towards the issue. I was dealing with an issue. He's talking about running towards an issue, not away from an issue. That's why it shocks me to hear him say he's – He's thinking about walking away. And Now I know we've talked about things that have been said about the Patriot. I mean, um, the Steeler way, and Ben Roethlisberger saying it's no longer yeah. what, what the reality in Pittsburgh, the Steelers way, and all of that. And I don't know how much all of that is weighing on him. The situation he's in with the quarterback is because of the of of. the the honor they gave to Ben Roethlisberger and kept him around longer than they should have kept him around. So it amazes me when guys like that come back at him when you are because of your situation. That's why we're in this situation. Uh, hey listen, Mike Tomlin, anybody you get Mike Tomlin, you got a great coach. I don't understand. Maybe this is what they are doing now to get the power that they need. They'll take the Sean Payton route. I don't imagine yeah. they don't listen to him in Pittsburgh. They, he, he's, he's, he's everything in Pittsburgh, and I know they listen to him. So I, I, I'm shocked to see this. I'm shocked to hear anything about Mike Tomlin walking away because all he talks about is running towards issues, never running from them. Mm.
3: Okay, allow me to say I wish Keyshawn were here today because about three weeks ago on this show, I made the case that watch Mike Tomlin figure a way to coach this Pittsburgh team into the playoffs. And Keyshawn scoffed at me and said there's no way they're going to make the playoffs, not with that quarterback nightmare they have. And guess what? They're they're in the playoffs. Somehow, even as Richard points out with that T.J. Watt, now they're in the playoffs, going to Buffalo, 10-point dogs. And th- this is coach of the year kind of stuff that we saw once again from Mike Tomlin. And you guys, I've, I've said this many times sitting in this chair on the show for seven years. If I could play the game you guys played at the highest level and I could choose my coach, I'd want to play for Mike Tomlin yeah. because there's no better human coaching than Mike Tomlin. And I don't know if I've ever seen a coach, and this is, as Richard points out, this is 17 years of no losing records in Pittsburgh, but I don't think I've ever seen a coach more consistently get young men ready to play football than Mike Tomlin does Sunday after Sunday after Monday after Thursday after Sunday after Sunday. They are always ready to play, sometimes a little readier than others, but still ready to play. You're going to get pretty much their best shot. Whatever they got to give you, they're going to give you. Right. And, again, he had to navigate Antonio Brown, and now it's Pickens, and now it's the quarterback nightmare, and it's one thing after na- – Mason Rudolph, who's not bad, but he's obviously not great. But but you you navigated. You figured it out. You kept that team together. I, I don't know how he does it. He is all-time great to me. The The way – and, and, again, nobody ever talks about him as an X's and O guy, even though he came from the defensive side of the ball. Nobody ever says, oh, it's a Mike Tomlin defense. He, he, he's a leader of men to me. He's a maker of men. He, he's a motivator at the highest level, a unifier, an igniter. I, I've just – Michael, speak to it. I've, I've never seen anything like this man.
4: Yeah, and, and, and I love him, too. I, I really do. I, you, you being When you're around him, think about this. Pittsburgh, they draft players, they develop players, yeah. they develop players, and, and and they turn them into something. And, they, and, and 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 it's all about them coming in and understanding what they got to do, and how hard they have to work. You know, it, even now they got now Najee Harris and, and and Warren. That's a pretty good formidable run game that they put together. And and and, and I can guarantee you guys this. Now I will take this bet, uh, Skip. I guarantee you're not beating my. Uh, you're not beating them by ten points. No, I agree. I guarantee Agreed. Buffalo. Get, I, I will take this yeah. one. Yeah, this one I will take. It's too many even points. Even without T.J. Watt, it's yeah. way too many it's points. Too many points to, for, for Buffalo because because Buffalo now okay you you can run with two quarterback even though T.J. Watt's out they still have some hunters coming and mm-hmm. they're getting back people when I when I talked to Alfredo this week I said man tell T.J. tell T.J. I'm worried about him. Tell him I'm, th- I'm praying for him. I mean, and, and he said he sent me a message back. Talked about Faramut, Faramut number eighty-eight over there. He's making plays now. So if you think they can't muster up some offense and you slip around, Buffalo will lose well, this game. I guarantee you, it won't well, be a ten-point game. Okay.
0: They they have
4: played much, much, much better offensively
0: under Mason Rudolph. They they have. They, they, they two games right. they've scored over thirty points. Um, yeah. they went to Seattle, they yeah. scored over 30 points. they moved the ball down the field. They got it to their playmakers. Some of the biggest plays all season have happened in the last three weeks with Mason Rudolph at the helm. So there is, there is reason for optimism for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now on the other side, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen has at times played like an MVP candidate yes. and at times even down this stretch kind of disappeared, disappeared in totality. You know, he didn't need to do a ton, even against the Dallas Cowboys. We talked not. about that game. They seven ran the ball yep. tremendously, but he only had seven completions on the game. So they've shown they can win it that way. But you talk about Alex Highsmith. You talk about Cam Hayward still getting it done. Um, Joey Porter Jr. is making big plays. The veteran, Patrick Peterson in the, right. in the he, secondary. He, he's they in can that
4: defensive rookie of the year. Right, Jordan Porter Jr. No is be in that defensive Roy. He he's playing very well. Mm.
0: So No question. No question. He's he's played really well down the stretch. They trusted him against team's number one receivers uh, throughout this season when when since he's been a starter. So I, I
3: think it's definitely gonna be closer than ten points, no question. Yeah. So we've watched Buffalo sputter and teeter even against Miami the other night, Sunday night. They look great, they don't look great. He turns it over. He makes plays. They are gettable. And, and you say, well, they're right. going home and it's going to be snowing and it's going to be freezing. You, you think Pittsburgh cares about that? We're, we're not talking about the right. Dolphins here. We're talking about the Steelers, Steel Town, right? So, right. Brand- this is
4: going to be the most physical game Buffalo's had Absolutely. all year long. All year long. Bar none. Bar none. Because they're not coming in and saying we're throwing the ball. They fully understand we are running this football and playing defense. So Buffalo, you you got to bring everybody up in that line of scrimmage because they're and when you do that, then they're going to give Pickens an opportunity to make a play. So and, so this is going to be a good game. People people haven't really watched George Pickens a
0: lot because you don't see Pittsburgh a lot, but they found ways to get him the ball now. And if you give yeah. him eight nine targets a game, some great things are going to happen. They're going to happen. And again, to, to Skip's point. Buffalo isn't, you know, they're kind of a flimsy two seed. You know, yeah, they're not the two seed are, where you're like, hey, they've word. been dominant. They've won, they've won five straight. So you give them credit for that. But it hasn't been a dominant team no. where you're like, oh, they, they definitely should beat Pittsburgh and win this game going away. I can see a scenario where Pittsburgh makes this a muddy, grimy game and they come out of it with a win.
3: So can either of you make a case for Pittsburgh going up there and stealing one from Buffalo?
0: <clears throat> yes, yes, I can. Yes, I can. They run the ball really well. Yeah. Um, they, Najee Harris has a good game. Warren has a good game. Uh, Mason Rudolph doesn't turn the ball over. He's efficient with it. They hit the quick game like they have been defensively. Alex Highsmith and the boys on yeah. their D-line put a lot of pressure they on Josh do. Allen, and, right. and things can get
4: really weird. Yeah, how right. about you, Mike? Right. And, and on the back end, you're getting Mika back, so you start saying, oh, uh, that's a that's a, that's a ball that's a ball hawk back there mm-hmm. and a turnover guy. So now you get on the back end, even though you lose T.J. Watt on the front end, you're picking, that's what Afredo said to me two days ago. Mm-hmm. He said, man, we're Alfredo picking up Roberts. guys on yeah. the yeah. back end. Mm-hmm. Alfredo Roberts, the tight end coach, he yeah. said, we're, for Pittsburgh, we're picking up the guys on the back end. We're telling them, let's go as a group on the front end because that's the only way you can make up for a T.J. Watt, as a group, there is no one man that can make up for him. But getting guys back on the back end with, with, with this, with this guy that can give that ball up to those guys on the back end, with the, with the young Joey Porter Jr. playing a Stefan Diggs. I can't wait to see that back up. Mm. Playing a Stefan Diggs. You, they have an opportunity to you make a this one. a grimy game and, uh, and catch Buffalo you know, time of possession-wise, so keep him on the sideline, keep that Superman on the sideline, time of possession-wise, and, and come out of a grimy game with a 17-14
3: win. You know, they, they can absolutely do that. All right. So, Michael, before we hit the break here, you said Jerry Jones had called you. Did you get to take the call on the break? Do we know what this is about?
4: Well, well, I, I'm, I'm I, yeah, I was going to meet with them. I got to go back over there to meet with them. I actually uh, I actually hit the phone when they kicked away and told I said, I'm on the air. I'll call you right back right after the show. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? OK, they let them know. So. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't think he is he taking issue with
3: the, he wouldn't take an issue with what somebody said on the show. Right. I, I'll find out a little you know, out. but I,
4: I got no problem with it. And we'll talk about it. And, and if it is something, I'll let you guys know. I hope he's saying, Doc Burnett, you right. We got to put pressure on them pressure. boys to get their thing done. Love it. Cause we like that old pressure. All right. We like
3: that old pressure. And, and Michael, you will be here in studio with Keyshawn tomorrow, right? Right. I'm coming in studio. Beautiful. Yes. All right. Done deal. All right, in a moment, we got to get back to the NBA because here's the question. Bear with me on this one. Can Draymond still be Draymond without being Draymond? We'll make sense of that in a moment. No mercy. No mercy. No mercy. Come oh Back down. Steve Kerr made a fascinating point yesterday that raises a much deeper question. Can Draymond still be Draymond without being Draymond, meaning can he still be as impactful as a basketball player without all the antics, the clashing with the refs, the cheap shots, the dirty plays? Steve Kerr said, and I quote, what makes Draymond great is his bravado, his emotions. I don't expect Draymond to all of a sudden behave like Steph Curry or Tim Duncan. I want him to behave like himself. But there needs to be some humility in the wake of everything that's happened that goes along with that bravado. We still need that bravado. We still need that emotion. We need the humility that comes when you know you're wrong, when you've made serious mistakes, when you put your team at peril. That balance is the key to all of this, and Draymond knows that. Okay, so with me now are Richard Sherman and Michael Irvin, who played with extreme emotion. So let me get their sort of psychoanalysis, if if you will, of all this. Michael, can, can Draymond still be as valuable, still be Draymond, if he's now constantly aware of trying to tone it down and dial it back?
4: It it is very, very interesting. And you guys know I've said here many times that sometimes when you take certain things away from a player, you lose that player altogether. You know, when you don't allow him to be who he is, you can lose him. I've used guys like Shockey and things like that as examples. Now, I found this to be interesting here with this. What Steve Curry is saying is not just – We need you to come back and be a certain way. We need you to understand what was going on prior to, you know, and understand how that affected us before and to make sure that you come back with that understanding and to make things right. That's one thing, because I thought at the beginning of it all, when Draymond came out, he said, I almost, the first thing he let us know was that the commissioner had to talk him out of retiring. I thought that was interesting because that's still defying the situation. It's still defiance, that's showing defiance. I'm not gonna change, I'll just retire. Yeah. I quit, I'm done, you know? And, and he said the commissioner had to talk him out of it. He said, they cried, they cried. And I hope the crying moment was the moment that he realized, okay, I gotta do, I gotta do better. Yes, he can do this. He can still play at a high and intense level. At a high intense level. Let's be real here. You just can't grab somebody around the neck and choke in a win. It's a fight. I brought that up early. I brought something up earlier when we were talking about the fouls. When that quitley foul happened last night. Remember when he came across the- and hit Cam Reddish? Yeah. I said to you guys, if that's Draymond Green right now. What are we saying? You see what I'm saying? Even if he didn't intentionally do it, now... We're saying, oh man. So what? What was Steve Curz also saying is, Draymond, you have to make sure you make sure you're remorseful. If that happens, you got to be reaching down to help pick him up to make. I ain't mean to do that to show people I didn't mean to do that. I'm trying to play the game the right way. That's that's not who I am. So yeah, he's going to have to go farther. This is the thing that catches me though. Draymond has gotten very famous here lately. In his podcast and all of that stuff because everybody wants to go and hear what he has to say after he's performed all these antics. Now, is Draymond still going to have that following and does he get to a place where he said, man, I got to do something crazy to get the attention back on me like I've grown accustomed to it. And then go and create some situation they call that Munchausen, going to create some situations so we can put more attention on him that, that's going to be worth watching, mm. but I think he absolutely can do this right here where do, he, can, he can play as hard as he can without trying to do that crazy stuff
3: mm.
0: yeah, I, I think he
4: can still be the same caliber player.
0: I think you know these antics and, and and all the the nonsense have kind of taken away from what we what we the way we see draymond but What he's been on the basketball court has been a really high IQ basketball player, a guy who hustles, plays great defense, um, always in the right position, sets his teammates up for a tremendous amount of of success, Um, does a great job sacrificing, whether it's screens, um, helping on defense. There's leadership aspects of that. So I think this is these these antics have kind of taken away from that to a degree because you forget about that. You forget that, man, he's just been an all-around good defensive basketball player, a good point forward at times for this yes. team, A great right, done right, a great right, job right, as right. part of this right. big run, setting Steph Curry and Klay Thompson up for a lot of these wide-open shots that they take, um, running their offense at a high level. So, Do I think he can be the same caliber player? Yes. Do I think he's going to be the enforcer that he's been for them in the past? No, he can't be because Mm -hmm. he'll mess around and get suspended for the remainder of the season. So I think he's going to have to put a governor on that to some degree. But in terms of him being a high IQ basketball player and still making an impact in that way, I think he'll be fine. Mm.
3: So, Richard, how hard was it for you to learn to play on the edge without going over the edge?
0: Uh,. I mean, I don't know if I ever learned that skill. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I 100% learned that. But what what I did learn is humility, and I, you 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 learn that, and that's what Chris Richard kind of uh, uh, chiseled into my skull mm. through during our time in Seattle. And it's not it it, it it's it's it, the way he explained it, and the way he kept trying to explain it was it's not thinking less of yourself because when you think of humility, you think, oh man, I got to push myself down, I got to suppress wow. myself to elevate others, but. His his point was, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So you think of your teammates yeah. more, you think of the situation more, you think of the team more before right. you think, hey, yeah. I need to do this to, to elevate myself. Instead, you say, do I make this decision? How does it affect everybody else, not just how it affects me? And that really kind of got through to me, and that changed the way I
3: looked at a lot of things and, and, and changed the way I, how I responded to a lot of things. And that's what Steve Kerr is saying about Draymond, the the ultimate word, the essence of this is his humility. So, Michael, respond.
4: I I I like what Sherm just said. Yeah, I you do know, too. Uh, you know, I think that I think that's interesting and and I, I, very interesting. And, and Sherm and I go talk about that some more later because <laughs> really hey, the, the the thing is though here when Draymond, you got to understand, guys, that plays emotionally like this, and and, and that's why I always love Jimmy. Jimmy would say, "Do what you need to do." To get ready to play, yeah. You know, you talked about him being the enforcer. I, I you know, I, I, took, I I, Draymond. I never took him as a Charles Oakley type no, enforcer. No, he's not. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, not. like the kind of dude you don't even want to get in or scrape with you him. Don't. Let's just play ball. Let's just play ball. You know, I don't take Draymond as that kind of enforcer. I, I, I take him. I take him more like a, uh. Then Rodman, enforcer. Yeah. Dude that's going to enforce, he's going to work hard on the board. He's going to do everything. He's going to, he's going to play hard all the time and give you some opportunities. And, 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 and the flaring and the hitting, that, those are antics that I want him to remove. I never saw him, even though he punched Jordan, I never saw him as... Man, that's an enforcer dude. Even if he picked up that role, you know what I mean? They do need to find somebody else to have that role. He just needs to be the hustle guy, the guy that does all the dirty work but not doing dirty things while he's doing the dirty work.
3: Yeah. He had to take on an enforcer role when he's a tough guy, but he's not a natural-born enforcer tough guy. Like, he's not an Oakley type. He's not the type— that is going to scare people and back people down because his basketball IQ was so high that he was always picking on people he knew he could get away with picking on. And yet the antics got worse and worse. Now you can go on the internet and look at these, these tapes, these parades of all the cheap shots, the dirty plays, the antics plays. And you start to wonder, as I always did about Draymond, he is such a good basketball player He overcame so much as a second-round pick to become a defensive player of the year. And as Richard pointed out, he is the engine of this team because the offense, an all-time great offense, goes through him. He's a pick artist. He he, he made Steph much better than Steph even was with all of his pick plays and setting Steph up for his shots. Well, that's beautiful basketball to me. And I kept thinking, why does Draymond have to resort to this? Well, I think part of him thought he needed to resort to it because they didn't have a physical presence on this team. It was a finesse shooting basketball team. And also, to Michael's point, once he started getting away with some of this, these antics, Whoa. and then there's the podcast, then all of a sudden he's saying, yeah, all... I'm making myself famous here. So I need to right. live up to my my role here as the antics guy, the 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 enforcer type and and all of a sudden it's going completely over the edge because he's got to top himself can you top this can you top this until he's doing whirling karate kicks you know like in the corner and i'm saying you've lost it man and that's why he just took his little sabbatical to try to calm back down and yeah i i do believe there's going to be some of right. this going on. You don't want to take his emotion away because, to, to your Jeremy right. Shockey point, Michael, if you if you take all the Draymond out of Draymond, he won't be as nearly right. as good a player. He needs to play with emotion right. without right. going over the edge. Right. He, yeah. he needs to be who
4: he is. But here, here's here's interesting things too, though. Interesting points because. We're talking about the greatest shooter in the history of the game. We are, and, and another guy that's not far yeah, he's off. he's close. From, yeah. even though he's, he, you know, had, he's had an up and down year this year. He's starting no. to play better now, not and Clay. But, 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 this is how Draymond gets his and Draymond get his name thrown in everything. We talk about Draymond more than we talk about those guys. More than we talk—this is headwind. This is as addictive as anything else when you hear your name over and over and over again, and it's put in this kind of format. So now you go and create more of this so you can get more of your name out there. So, yeah, this is going—that's why I say, in order to get rid of it, he has to go overboard the other way. Still play hard, still be forceful. But now, if you're bumping into somebody and somebody falls, when we get all that old crazy flaring that he used to do, we, you got to see the other side of it. All right. Now, you got to start helping people up just to say, that's not what I'm doing. That wasn't intentional. I'm trying to play the game the right way. You have to go, and that's the humility I think Coach is talking about. You have to go overboard to get back on board.
3: Yeah. Richard, you get the last word. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
4: I, I agree. I think I
3: think he's
0: going to have to go overboard and, and things like that. I think he's going to have to go overboard and not arguing with referees and picking up those technical fouls because those technicals are, are going to be a lot quicker off on the draw because of his reputation, yeah, because of the things that he's done. So he's not going to get any leeway when having these conversations. So he's going to have to control his emotions, talk calmly. He's going to have to be a better teammate, right. a better better player, and a better approach to the game. So
3: I, I agree with everything Irv just said. All right. Back to the NFL up next. Back to the Dallas Cowboys. Young Money joins me as we debate Cowboys and Super Bowl. And yes, they do belong in the same sentence.
2: Here we go.
4: Cowboy.
3: Woo! Woo! It is time once again for Young Money featuring two Lil Wayne protégés, buddies of mine, Yellow Beasy from Dallas, Alan Cubas from Wayne's hometown of New Orleans. So, Alan, uh, sorry about your Saints, Keyshawn Saints, over and done. So we got to talk Cowboys <laughs> again. I need to know from you first, how much did the Cowboys look like a threat to win the NFC? And that that was in Washington, obviously. And now, will they start off by beating Green Bay Sunday, or are you about to pick the Packers?
1: That's correct. You know, I feel like everything is perfectly set up for them to do it. You know, redemption is at their fingertips. They got a chance to, to knock off Green Bay, then later on the run, potentially knock off the 49ers two of the teams who who have probably eliminated them four of the last five times. So everything's lined up. You know, they got Dak playing at an MVP level. Yep. They secured home field for the better part of the playoffs. Um, they did. They're playing at home where they haven't, where, where they haven't lost. Everything's set up, but it's just something about this green Bay team that I feel is, is dangerous. They coming in hot. You're talking about a green Bay team that started off two and five. They end up getting to the playoffs. I don't care nothing about schedule the NFL. We know how hard it is to do it. And, um, just a dangerous team, you know. They was able to win their last three games of the season, so they've been in playoff mode for the better part of the last month. You know, where they needed to win every game has been a must-win. Um, I think there's some dangerous about this team. You know, they they're playing with house money. Independently of whatever the result is this weekend, sure. the Green Bay Packers season will be looked at as a um, as a success and a step in the right direction. So I think Dak's played at a high level. So is Jordan Love. He's number two in the NFL in yeah. passing touchdowns. Um, I think all the pressure is totally on Dallas. You got McCarthy going into Lambeau, where he's won the Super Bowl, going against his successor. All the pressure seems to be going that way. Everything has broken their way. The Eagles collapse, everything, and I just think that everything's set up for Green Bay to go in there and just shock the NFL in the typical Cowboy fashion. You know, them um, go down again. And Jerry okay, Jones. So, so are you predicting that,
3: Alan? You're, you're predicting a Green Bay win.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm predicting the Green Bay win. I think Jordan Lowe's going to go in there, play with House Money. I think he's going to be high. I think it don't, I think the added pressure, you know, you got Jerry Jones. I think he was asked by, was it Clarence Hill, or the forward star? Yeah. He was directly asked about McCarthy's future. And what did Jerry say? We're going to see how how each game goes. I mean, One game you got a guy that are, just yeah. won the division, got home field. If this ain't the time to endorse him and double down fully, when was it? You know, it wouldn't be the same without some added pressure, some controversy in typical Cowboy fashion. You got to spice things up. Um, I think it looked like... I can understand why they are the favorite, but better guys don't win football games. You got to go on the field and get it. And I'm predicting Green Bay to come in there with house money, with nothing
3: to lose, <laughs> and give Dallas all they can handle. That's so wrong, get him, yellow.
2: Uh, man, I feel like we look very good. You know, the, the game started out. I felt like I was like, oh, I hope it don't be one of those games. You know, with the the block fields goal and yep. punt and then the tip, the tip yeah, interception, but. The when we got all those hiccups out the way, we put the gas down and just kept going. I just feel like it set it, – I feel like it just set up, like, real good. Like and like you said, um, San Francisco and, and, and Green Bay put us out before. You know what I'm saying? We had, we had it with the – you know, Dez and Dez did catch the ball. We're going to keep on preaching and saying that he caught the ball. Mm-hmm. So I feel like now the vengeance is ours now. You know, we, we at home. We've been playing well at, at home. And I feel like we're going to get our get back, you know, Like we we still ain't over that 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 dead thing, and we still not over this San Francisco thing. So I know we're gonna have to go to San Francisco and play. But I feel like at home we've been playing like that. So I feel like we'll give it to uh, Green Bay. Then if out of what is that Rams or Detroit? Rams or Detroit? Mm I I feel feel like we'll make it worse already. We'll make it worse for Detroit if they come home because they want to try to act like. The rest cheat the last out, so I feel like I feel like like next two hours we'll have fun and just like mash the gas on. You know, I just feel like we will just mash gas on everybody at the house, and I feel like we set up we set up for the best opportunities right now. Like we yeah. can't let this
3: sweep up. Everybody
2: healthy, everybody playing on one accord. You know, I just feel like everybody just like it's like things just in, like the correct
3: Yeah, and by the way, Yellow, will you be there with Lil Wayne at Jerry's? Yeah, i be there. Okay. Don't be that. I chased I chase him yeah, so right good. out of the game,
2: right we're out, out that fence. I said, "We, we going to
3: it. the game." He said, "You
1: already know." <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, yeah. And I think from a tactical standpoint, um, uh, when, when Dak has struggled, it's been a lot of times against cover four and cover six, which has just happened to be the the defense that Joe Barry likes to play the most. So, I think if they can kind of. Put a roof on that offense to kind of stop those big yeah. plays
3: yeah. against C D. You know, I, 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 Alan, I, don't, I don't feel, like, got I don't feel like the Packers defense is that enough? What you're for it. throwing at us cover six. Yeah, he, yeah, he's saying on, yeah, know, say he, gonna stop the big
1: plays. You stop the big plays, and I think that he, as well as he may play, he'll eventually give you a turnover. He'll do something. He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll he, I'm, I'm now, I, you know, i don't feel like the Packers defense
2: even been playing that good enough to even stop one. You know, we, we can go Alexander's going to be locked
1: in. in. You know, I think that's going to be a big matchup. He's going to be locked in on CD. These Packers receivers, these young receivers are, 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 are lethal, too. You know, um, you, you play them man to man. No, big. they're
3: very good. Okay. Reasons. I can
2: guarantee we come at some different. We're going to come with a lot of pressure. This I promise yeah. you that. McCarthy is not having me. We come Alex, with a pressure. This game.
3: I got to wrap this up, but real quick, you and I have never bet a dinner. I, I will take Dallas for a dinner against Green Bay. You've got Green Bay. Does that work? Done deal. Thank you. you. Thank you. Let's do it. I will be eating on Sunday night. Thank you very much. (laughs) Way to go, guys. We'll check in next week and talk about Dallas's next playoff victory after that. But coming up next here on Undisputed, is this the year that Dan Quinn leaves Dallas for a head coaching job? We'll debate next. Here we go again with Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, who reportedly will interview for the head coaching jobs in Washington, Carolina with the Los Angeles chargers. This will be the third straight year. Dan Quinn has been a hot head coaching candidate, but the last two years, somehow Jerry Jones convinced Quinn to stay in Dallas. Richard Dan was obviously your coordinator in Seattle. Do you figure he'll leave for a head coaching job this time?
0: No question he'll you know that will be the right. I think the Chargers would be the one job he would leave for um unless you know something happens in these playoffs and they fire McCarthy and they just elevate him within yeah. uh, I think the 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 Chargers job will be the best fit for him. They got a lot of talent on defense they got a good quarterback, and i'm sure he'd find a good coordinator
4: mm. yeah, and that's what defensive coordinators are going to find themselves up against like a Dan Quinn. You have to go to a place where they've already have the quarterback established and the offensive system established already. And then you come in and add your expertise. If, if they need a quarterback or don't have the offense established, then they're going to look for one of those young gurus. Dan Quinn knows
3: his best opportunity is in Dallas. If this thing doesn't work out. Mm, okay. So Michael, can you explain to me because I never could figure out how Jerry kept him the last two years. Maybe paid him, right? Yeah, he paid him yeah. and told
4: him, Boy, Ooh. that started inside of your head. Yeah. When you do good things,
3: a lot of great things will happen. That's it. That's it for Undisputed. We are back tomorrow at 930 Eastern. And I can't wait.